lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin. And our old friend, Josh Hammer, he is the op-ed page editor at Newsweek. He'll be joining us here momentarily for the weekly look at the week that was. But of course, first we have to cover a few details. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email us, steve at stevedace.com. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Gab, and Parler when it returns. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. If you like censored clips of the program and who doesn't love them some censorship these days, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace or rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Some of you may have noticed yesterday we busted out some new glasses. That's right. I'm wearing uh, some new glasses from our friends over at Better Spectacles. Have you bought a pair of glasses before? Thrown them in the drawer? Never worn them again? Maybe you were told just to go home. Get used to your progressives. That's what I wear. Well, I've got help uh, from our friends at Better Spectacles. They're now offering authentic German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear. That's what I'm wearing for the first time here in the U.S. It's a 144-year-old company. It's the world's gold standard with over 500 patents. Ronaldus Maximus himself wore Rodenstock glasses. Yes, Ronald Reagan as well. And one of their specialities, helping those with near and intermediate vision issues, which is common when we look at our phones and computer screens all day. That would be one of my problems. Uh, and they have the ability to help you see up to 40% better. So go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Schedule a teleoptical appointment. You don't even need to leave your house. Now, Better Spectacles isn't just some online company with low-quality offerings. They just make a high-end company with lots of high-quality um, reviews. They just make it available to you conveniently online. The best-trained opticians in the country. And they're offering our audience today 61% off their Spec lenses plus free handcrafted rodent stock frames. Free handcrafted rodent stock frames, 61% off the lenses. If you visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Again, that's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. It is now time for the Dace Group. Yes, the music, graphics, presentation, format, all of it is a ripoff. We have completely and totally ripped it off from the McLaughlin Group. But since that airs on taxpayer-funded PBS, therefore, we're paying for that. And John McLaughlin is dead now. I think that it's okay. Let's get to issue one. Bleep. Lord Nefarious says. If we want to talk about Planned Parenthood, let's talk about how many lives Planned Parenthood has saved and how many babies have been born because of the prenatal care provided by Planned Parenthood. I am committed to doing the absolute most to protect black mothers, to protect black babies, to protect black birthing people and to save lives. All of a sudden, you're hearing people talk about critical race theory people who have no idea what that term means or trying to ban the 1619 project because it is trying to do exactly what you're saying which is to actually actually teach a factual version 
of oppression in America. This is fundamentally a free speech issue. If you look at the rhetoric of uh, Senator McConnell and of state legislators all across the country that are trying to get bills passed to prohibit the teaching of the 1619 Project, it's not about the facts of history. It's about trying to prohibit the teaching of ideas that they don't like. The way you've talked about it, Administrator, before is environmental racism. Can you explain to viewers what, what you mean by that? Systemic racism is an issue that this country is dealing with. This administration is facing it head on. And the environmental space is no different than the justice space or any other space. I'm perfectly legal and I'm a teacher. So there. Congratulations. What is that name? Gasso. It's under citation, ma'am. Here you go, Mexican racist. You're always going to be a Mexican. You'll never be white. You know that, right? You'll never be white. Well, I would say we followed the science in the beginning when we instituted the mask mandate. What inning are we in as far as this COVID pandemic is concerned? Do you think the seventh, the eighth inning, or late innings? What, what inning are you talking about? Uh, how, how about the, the bottom of the sixth? Bottom Try that one. Sixth. All right, well, how will we know when this pandemic is done. You know, Chad, with all honesty, I I can't answer that question myself. I think about it a lot. Are you concerned? You, you mentioned that only 30% of the population in Brookline is vaccinated now. Are you concerned by that keeping this mandate in place or not giving that unvaccinated population an incentive to go out and get the shot? Well, you know, actually, if you keep a mask mandate in place, it might give them incentive to go get the shot. Do you think we should be wearing masks forever and ever and ever? Leave so Mask mandates work. They increase mask use. Do you think we should wear masks forever? Indefinitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ex-nurse, and I agree, it's airborne and we should continue masking until everyone is safe. How serious is this threat? Forge vaccination cards? There's no easy solution here, but I do think uh, not doing a national database whereby the QR code you can actually get in, having that be done by a not-for-profit, making sure it won't be commercialized, I think that would have been the right way to go. There is an attitude that they'll be fine, why should they take the vaccine? Maybe you go home and kiss your grandmother and wind up killing your grandmother. You and I took our masks off when I came in because look at the distance we are. But if we were, in fact, sitting there talking to one another close, I'd have my mask on and I bet you'd have a mask, even though we've both been vaccinated. When it comes to uh, China, we've been very clear that, you know, we're not trying to contain China or, or hold it back. I'm a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I stand here today a proud first-generation Latina and officer at CIA. That is one of the most demonic and disgusting montages that has ever aired. Not just in the history of this program and platform, but in this country. I mean... The olfactory senses. Um, for those of you that went to public school, olfactory, I mean, never mind. But um, we'll just let that go. But um, you could smell the sulfur as you watched or listened to that. So, Josh, what was the best of the worst this week? What say you? I, Steve, you know, as usual, when I join you for the day's group, I don't even know where to begin. Um, that might have been the worst I've ever seen. And I join you on a, a number of Fridays, it seems like. Um, 
Wow. Um, yeah. So look, Corey Bush, um, that quote about birthing people, um, what the actual hell does birthing people mean? Um, you know, I, I mean, I saw like my friend Sora Bamari tweet yesterday, like what the actual bleep are birthing people? That is the relevant question that we should be asking in the year 2021. I mean, it, it, literally, you are going to be a bigot in a few years now to the extent that you are not already for literally positing. I, you probably already are bigger for saying this, for literally saying that if you have a certain chromosomal structure that you cannot change that. Science is apparently fake news. But, uh, you know, the, the problem is, Steve, though, like, I don't even want to focus on that because that was like as, as galling as it was. That actually wasn't even the most like actually like important thing that we just heard there. The most important thing that we heard it's not quite as kind of culturally resonant, but towards the very end, I think it was Tony Blinken, right? Secretary of State talking about how right. we're not trying to contain mm -hmm. China. Oh, my God. I mean, this was the mentality for 40 plus years of the Davos set, right? After Nixon went to visit Mao in Beijing in 72. I mean, this was what ge generations of various administrations of both parties tried to do. We're not going to contain China. Look at China the Biden before. family's business dealings. They're clearly not trying to contain China, Josh. Yeah. No, well said. Good point. But if there is one thing that Trump showed the error of the ways of 40 to 50 years of his predecessors, it was on the China issue. Mm -hmm. It was that you can that, that you have to contain China. That is the threat. But I don't want to, like, cloud out the monkey in the room here. The cultural stuff, the birthing people, the CIA thing at the end. My God, I mean, I, I we might not be trying to contain China, but China sees that montage and they don't think they have to contain us either. I mean, China felt so cornered uh, by Trump that they had to manufacture and unleash a virus that would shut the world down so their economy could catch up. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this on? You will I'm, not be I'm, seeing that on YouTube I'm, today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is this on? I'm sorry. Todd, you're, you're, did I say that? I'm sorry. Todd, uh, what was the best of the worst this week? Well, to the Josh's point about the, the CIA thing, that we are all lab rats in what is clearly a PSYOP that is going on in broad daylight. We just don't exactly know what the PSYOP is, exactly how or why we're being experimented on, but that's it, That's what that is. But I still have to give the winner to Governor Cuomo. I mean, you might kill Grandma from Cuomo. Wow. He is, after just, all, wow. the subject matter expert. On killing grandmothers. This is why, that, Steve, this is, I was pretty confident you were going to be wrong. Uh, he's, when you're that shameless and you have a media who just is along for the ride, he's never going away. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, that's just, that's just straight up demonic. Yes. I mean, it's just straight up shake your fist at God. It's, it's the story in numbers where God is so tired of the of the clans rebelling against Moses that he opens up the earth and in front of all the tribes of Israel so they know one one last one last time we're going to for the folks in the back Moses is the man okay that's the guy I've appointed so in front of all the tribes he opens the earth and swallows up Moses's detractors and then like in the very next chapter of numbers yeah. It begins with, in the morning, a woman came up to Moses and said, you were very unfair to those people. I mean, that that's that's just, what are we doing? I, I mean, at, at this point, I, I mean, just smite us, please. Smite us, please. It's, please. 
it's with this as the backdrop that good and fair journalist Jake Tapper just recently got done saying, you know, I don't think I'm even going to have Republicans on the show anymore because they're all liars and I'm not going to promote liars. Uh, fair point, but this? Yeah, I'm not going to really necessarily defend the integrity of the no. Republican Party to Jake Tapper or anybody else, but he also, I think what we're saying is he's probably not the 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 person to uh, apply such a stringent no. corporal punishment. Is that well, what I hear you say? Well, this I hear you. Okay. is just, well, whatever, nothing to see here. Aaron. Yeah, when I got in this morning to do this montage, a lot of times I do this on Thursday, but I gave it an extra day because I was just racking my brain thinking, man, nothing really stands out this week. Uh, I think this might be kind of a tame montage. And then I got halfway through it and I thought, uh, holy cow, um, I was about to call Todd and see if he could bring his priest in here to perform an exorcism for the (laughs) demons coming out of this computer. Um, And furthermore, I was starting to work on other projects for today's show, and I noticed that I left... Quite a few videos on the chopping room, uh, on the cutting room floor as well. So, so this week could have been even worse. Yeah. Can you perform a, as a layman, Todd, can you perform an exorcism? Are you allowed to? Can we even get the priest to perform exorcisms is, is well, really the question they, these yes. days. Wow. Okay. I can't do better than that. <laughs> and, I dare you to do better. Just, <laughs> just briefly, though, I, I will say the Cory Bush comment. I almost didn't include that in the montage because the two and a half minutes, three minutes before that comment at the end. If that would have been coming from any pro-life leader, it would have been an amazing pro-life testimony. Yet, do you think Cori Bush is pro-life? No. 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 Speaking of demonic, there you go. Yeah. I got to tell you, I I was a little surprised that clip of uh, Bruce Jenner being interviewed by Hannity. And when the camera pans over to Hannity in the middle after his bearded lady answer, and, he, and Sean's just got this like, "What am I doing? What am I doing?" I'm like, "I've I've made it. I've got all the money in the world. I mean, what in the what am I doing here? What am I doing with this?" That look on his face—that's what it says, isn't it? How did I get here? Okay, how did I get here? Let's get to the exit question on a scale of one to ten. With one being Lindsey Graham's likelihood of ever getting to the bottom of anything, he promises Sean Hannity to get to the bottom of, and 10 being the likelihood Lindsey Graham gets to the bottom of Bruce Jenner's sham candidacy. Uh, Rate this week's level of total depravity, Aaron. 10. 10. Josh. Uh, It's the gold standard, 10 out of 10. Uh, You almost have to retire this segment after that. I mean, that's, that's how devastating that was to watch. Uh, Before we get to issue two, let me tell you about Rough Greens, because we've been talking about Rough Greens for quite a while now. It's that supplement powder that you sprinkle into your pet's food so that the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that were stripped out of the food once it left the factory before it got to the store, uh, those things your pet needs goes right back in. I mean, they need a supplement. Same thing we need. That's why we're buying so many of them today. Same thing happening to the people food. All that good stuff's taken out. That's why we're buying so many supplements to put it back into our bodies. The same thing goes for your pet. But you may be wondering, How will I know if my pet likes this as much as the Dace family dog does? Well, here's one way to find out. We're going to give you the first bag for free. That 14-day jumpstart bag we've told you about before, it's now free. You just pay for the shipping. You get the the first bag for free. See if your dog likes it. If your dog will eat it, go to roughgreens.com. That's all you have to do. R-U-F-F is how it's spelled. Roughgreens.com, or you can give them a call. 833-ROUGH-DOG. 833-ROUGH-DOG. The bag is free. You just pay for the shipping. Let's get to issue two. Is the dam breaking? 
The media has started tripping into journalism over the past few weeks regarding coronavirus. Is there any defense now for not having all the schools open? You know, the research was that you take the vaccine because it gives you immunity then why not treat it that way and let the vaccinated live their lives? Knowing all the impacts of having the schools closed and knowing what we know now that it doesn't, the disease isn't transmitted on surfaces, we don't have to go through all this deep cleaning that right. we thought we did at the beginning. We've learned a lot. Do you wow. think the schools should have been open earlier? I just don't understand why it's different than other vaccines. You know, you give your kids the vaccines and you don't still protect them in certain ways going forward. Either the vaccine makes you immune or it doesn't. And the research suggests it does, doesn't it, Andy? Why not just say, if you get vaccinated, you can do almost anything. That's what Trump said. That's what Fauci and everybody else said, that the vaccine is our way through it. These guidelines say, yeah, kind of, kind of, but you still can't go yeah. to ball games and do things the way you used to, even if you're vaccinated. I don't understand why you slow walk that part. We're asking that people who are vaccinated remain, uh, remain in masks when they're indoors. Indoors. When they're indoors. Well, but, but you know, but, we you know, but if, if I'm working, if I'm working with a but, you know, if I'm working with everyone in my office is also vaccinated. Why? When are kids going to be able to take off those masks and play outside at the playground? How will we know when this pandemic is done? You know, Chad, with all honesty, I I can't answer that question myself. I think about it a lot. Why does a vaccinated person have to wear a mask? We're talking about outdoors, though. And one of the things that we've heard for the last year is, is follow the science, follow the science. And you know you're what, like 18 times less likely to catch COVID outdoors. The positivity rate in Brookline now is, I think, 0.5%. It's really, it's really low. So isn't following the science at this point, wouldn't it be lifting the mask mandate? Hmm. Is time running out? Now, the first question I was going to ask, I, I think it's actually obviously yes, the answer after the jobs report, the economic report this morning. Is time running out on the Biden administration and Democrats to get America back to normal, even when it comes to their own media? I, I sense, and Josh, we were talking about this yesterday, so let me go to you first to get your take. I drew an analogy between what we're seeing in left media and what was going on on a show like this last year. At first... I just began, I don't understand this. I'm just asking questions. It doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't, I don't understand the logic of this decision, the, the Imperial College model. Here are several fallacies with it. Why are we following this, right? So you give the people wearing your jersey, it's human nature. You give them some benefit of the doubt, okay? And, and, then, and then it goes to um, frustration. And then it gets to like pleading. You're like, hey, dude, this is what I was saying at this time last year. You're not winning re-election with 40 million people unemployed, Don. Ain't happening. Better do something about this. Are we watching a similar evolutionary trajectory here on the other side's media now? Are, are we about 10 minutes away, particularly after today's uh, April jobs report, from the media basically saying, y'all are losing 70 seats next year if you don't figure this thing out pronto? You know, they might be slightly overstating the case, but I will say that watching the montage that we just watched, literally my number one thought that kept on popping into my mind was, 
wow, CNN is finally joining the ranks of those like on this show who have been saying this, oh, I don't know, for 12 and a half, 13 months now. I mean, that was that was great. I mean, like, frankly, as someone who like obviously wants to like burn off his mass and, you know, go back to like shopping at the grocery store and going to synagogue and like living like my normal in-person life, I'm actually like pretty encouraged by what I just saw. I mean, we all should have a certain degree of skepticism, obviously, because at, at its root, as people like, you know, as like you, Steve, people like Jordan Shack tells people like like you and Jordan saw from such an early point of this pandemic what we are seeing is ultimately not just um a a health response, not just a lifestyle kind of health measurement. We are seeing a power grab, a pure kind of Rahm Emanuel, you know, don't let a good crisis go to waste style power grab. And, you know, the instincts of those like Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, as far as kind of like scratching that totalitarian itch and wanting to kind of infringe on people's lives for the sheer sake of infringing on their lives, those itches probably have not been fully scratched because frankly, those itches will probably never be fully scratched. But At the end, what I come back to is kind of the same point that you made at the end there, which is that it's increasingly looking like um, Republicans are very well positioned to take back the House at a bare minimum next year. And they're probably they're probably it's closer call, but they'll probably take the Senate majority back as well. So at a bare minimum, if Democrats want to have a a fighting chance and ultimately kind of only comes back to partisan, you know, cynical electoral calculations at the end of the day. Right. If they want to have a chance and if CNN is kind of like the like the tail here that is wagging the dog of the Democratic Party, it seems like the momentum is starting to build a little bit. I don't think Cuomo and Gavin Newsom are going to become Ron DeSantis tomorrow mm-hmm. or anything like that. I'm, I'm under no illusions. But uh, that was a overall pretty reassuring montage. It does seem like the tide is starting to turn a little bit. And as a quick follow up, I want to get your take on this, too, because we raised this point on the show yesterday to our own audience. You know, um, how about the fact that even when getting prodded from guys wearing their guys and gals wearing their own jerseys, They don't have any good answers. And I wanted to point that out to our audience, for example, about Fauci and Bargain. There is no secret comeback that you couldn't just Google and destroy. There is no secret scientific comeback unless they want to admit to us that the virus is synthetic and therefore operates outside the natural laws of science. Well, they're not willing to admit that to us. And so therefore that option's not on the table. So with with, with the facts we have on the table, you see in that montage, Josh, they don't have any good answers to even gently prodding, let, gentle prodding, let alone an actual cross-examination like what we do in Fauci and Bargain. That should give us a, a lot of confidence with our arguments as well. What are your thoughts on that as a lawyer? So you're an arguer. What do you think? Well, they've been hoisted on their own petard here, right? I mean, they literally, based on their own argumentation, based on their own data points, as you outline in your book so clearly, and it's you know a great book. I can't recommend it enough to the viewers. Thank you. But as I, I, as you say over and over again in the book, I mean, this was all about quote unquote trust the science, right? That was the entire mantra was trust the science. Trust. Well, okay, the science right now in May 2021 is not what we thought it was in March 2020 when the entire country shut down. We, as we saw in that montage, we know now the virus does not spread on surfaces as but one huge change that is a massive massive like a paradigm shifting change from what we thought a year ago i mean i remember that at the beginning of this thing you know with hand sanitizer everywhere and clorox but you know the the number one reason that i know that the tide is really changing here if i can just personalize this for a second here um my mom is actually a public school teacher and you know she's um how old is she gosh she's she's 60 years old (laughs) she has asthma so you know she, she she's 
kind of sure. in the sweet spot of someone who would yep. want to take some precautions, right? Um, she was taking the virus very, very seriously, but you know, she is like fully vaccinated now. And you know, I was talking to her recently, and like she looks at like uh, people like Fauci say stuff like the bottom of the sixth inning, and 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 most specifically, it's this rhetoric that after you're vaccinated, mm-hmm. after you're vaccinated, you have to keep a mask on. You have, you know, you have to social distance. Like if everyone in the room is vaccinated, I mean, it, my, my mom looks at that and she says, no, this is just silly. I mean, like the vaccination works or it doesn't. Exactly, the science works. Or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So on their own metrics, on their own scale, they're done. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think if you combine this montage and it was um, a, a lengthy montage, along with a, a few pieces of news that we had this week, you mentioned the jobs report from this morning that was way underneath expectations for the last month. The month before was actually revised downward as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, ipso facto. Um there was another piece of news about a federal judge striking down the moratorium on evictions across the country, which, again, uh, what kind of a crazy upside down society where we live do we live in where the CDC can impose a moratorium on evictions? I'm not sure what jurisdiction they have on that, but uh, as I understand, that's where this is coming from, or at least at least some of their guidelines. And then a federal judge, not not the Congress, not people that you voted for, a federal judge is able to overturn that. Now, the Biden DOJ says uh, they're going to try to appeal this, but you take in uh, I- into consideration who to thunk, as a number of people have pointed out this morning, who to thunk that paying people not to work would result both in unemployment numbers going continuing to to go through the roof, high levels of unemployment, and uh, a high level of people not actually you know looking for work. Who would have thought? Yeah. Now, you mean a Chinese style economy? Yeah. Without a command economy? Exactly. Because the Chinese don't pay people to work. No. They they force you to work and pay you less, yeah. right? We're yeah. doing Chinese economy, economic policies yeah. without a command economy. You mean that doesn't create? So we pay you to stay home and it, it doesn't boom an economy? That, weird. I'm yes. I'm shocked that didn't work out for us. Yeah. So yeah. something has to give here eventually. Steve, I know you're around town, whether it's running errands. Have you seen um let, let me put it this way. Is there are there more places hiring uh, than not right now? Yeah. I, everywhere I go. Yeah. Everywhere I go. Help wanted. Help wanted. We just got, a, I think, a steak and shake. I don't know if you heard about yeah. this here in town. First one in, in central Iowa. They had to close down temporarily because they didn't have enough help. Yeah. My wife was telling me about that. Yeah. So um, something has to give here. Maybe it's the, 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 the moratorium on evictions. I mean, that's going uh, to open up a whole new Pandora's box here in this in this saga that's uh that that's probably going to be uh not not great to witness but maybe it will get people um you know at, at, you know at, off of government assistance and then one more thing as well there's a story out uh, about a rise in cancer um a rise in cancer um surveillance here one of the one of the things we've been warning around about since uh march april of last year um that's something that they, if that starts to go out of control, rise in cancer that could have been screened earlier and caught earlier. If that starts to rise and that starts to become a story, uh, the 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 impetus to memory hold this entire thing is going to rise even more. So three things from this week, I guess, uh, that, 
that impact. No. Those it's, are all good, Todd. It, it's not breaking. None of the, these these things aren't bugs. These things are all features. Everything you said from the beginning of this montage to everything you guys have argued should be reason why people are in jail, frog marched out of here. Yet there just continues to be zero consequences for what's going on. They hate America. They hate a re- re- reality. And yet they march on and they take territory. And then Republicans sit around gathering around the likes of Cheney and Stefanik and Bruce Jenner right now. We are in huge trouble. Steve, that redone movie of Justice League. That scene they added, I thought it was so powerful where Superman shows up and this time it's not just showing to blow wind with the the, the villain. Mm -hmm. The villain tries to chop him down, stops instantly and Superman beats the crap out of him. We haven't even laid a finger on these villains. We're dealing with pure evil. If we think we're about to return to normal with these people on deck, ain't happening because we don't understand the reality we're dealing with right now. Hmm. Let's get to the exit question. If the potential in honor of his uh, 70th birthday this week or 75th birthday this week, if the potential for the majority of mask mandates in America to be gone by Labor Day were a Bob Seger song, which Bob Seger song would it be? A, roll me away. B, still the same. C, turn the page. Or D, against the wind. Aaron. Man, Todd made a compelling case, so I'm going with uh, D. Todd. Against the win. What do you think, Josh? Uh, I, I, that's kind of where, I actually, I kind of came back to at the end, honestly, as well, against the win. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> See, I think you're right about the spirit of the age, but the laws of nature and nature's God remain in effect. And you break the natural law enough, and it breaks you. And that's going on right now. And eventually they have to make a decision. Do they like this more than they like holding on to their current power? Because this is the path for them losing a lot of that power. And very, very soon. We shall see. More in a moment. Got an email this morning from someone who said, all right, man, I bought a box of Bilt Bar really just to support the show. I thought there's no way they're as good as you claim. So my wife and I got a box of the double chocolate. We're both at big time uh, chocoholics and we're just blown away by how good these are. You were right. See, I told you before I, I got started with Bilt Bar. I bought a box out of spite. I got tired of the host of a, of a sports podcast I listened to, just raving on and on and on. I just thought there's no way it's that good. It, they're that good. Uh, maybe even better. So if you have not tried them before, I mean, how good does it get? High in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in carbs, like three to five net carbs per day. Um, if you're counting sugar calories, overall calories, Whichever healthy lifestyle you're into, Built Bar fits in. You don't have to sacrifice health and taste anymore. Also, for those of us that are concerned about such things, easy on the tummy too. They're absolutely amazing. All of them covered in real chocolate. 15% off your first or next order. If you want to come back again for seconds, thirds, fourths, or if you're like, okay, I've got to give this a shot. 15% off your first order. 
when you go to BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T for BuiltBar.com. Promo code DACE for BuiltBar.com. I've got to finish off my candy cane brownie seasonal flavor from Christmas because they're going to expire like in a month. So I just had one of those winter flavors. It's kind of getting sad. I've got to eat all the, the fall and Christmas stuff I have saved over. It's all getting ready to expire in the next couple of months. My hope is to like save it well into the summertime. But man, that candy cane brownie, when, you, when those seasonal flavors come out for Built Bar, make sure you take advantage. Those are all great. BuiltBar.com, promo code DACE. All right, let's get to issue three as we continue on with our weekly look at the week that was. Could DeSantis challenge Trump? Another week, another couple of wins for Ron DeSantis. First, the Florida governor signed a bill that made his previous executive order banning vaccine passports by businesses and government permanent. He also signed the bill that uh, would limit local power in the wake of public health emergencies. Then DeSantis signed another bill showing up election integrity in his state. Friday morning, DeSantis was the subject of an attempted hit job at Politico, whose morning playbook claimed the governor had left behind a trail of disgruntled former staffers who have started a support group for themselves. DeSantis' stock as a national figure is certainly rising, but could he beat Trump in a potential 2024 Republican primary should the former president decide to run again? This year's CPAC straw poll, for what it's worth, which is probably not much, saw Trump beating DeSantis with 55% of the vote. DeSantis brought in 21%. Then, in a separate straw poll of a field which excluded Trump, DeSantis won handily with 43% of the vote. Seven in ten respondents of that same straw poll at CPAC said they hope to see Trump run again, while 95% say they want to see the former president's policies advanced. This week, Steve ran a couple of polls of his audience on similar questions. 63.5% of the audience says they'd like to see someone new be the 2024 GOP nominee, while 36.5% said they'd like to see Trump be the nominee again. Meanwhile, 74.4% of the audience prefers DeSantis head-to-head over Trump. Those Twitter polls, by the way, we had almost 7,000 people vote in both of them. So two of the most voted in Twitter polls we've ever had in the history of our Twitter account. Let's get to the first question here. Um, Could DeSantis, there's been a lot of talk, hey, no one else will run unless, and I've been a part of it, unless Trump makes it clear he's not going to. I spoke with a little birdie earlier this week uh, who knows Ron DeSantis well. And I said, is it, when I looked at the results from our own audience, I said, is it possible that he could actually challenge Trump? And this little birdie told me six months ago, he would have thought, no way. Now, he told me, he's not so sure. That's what he told me a couple of days ago. So, Todd, what do you think? Would DeSantis, could he do it? Would he do it? Answer that any way you want. Step in and challenge Trump in the 2024 GOP primary if the former president made it plain that he plans on running again. Uh, I think he could. I I don't know enough about him personally to know if he would. I don't think that's the, I mean, ultimately that's his call in, in every way, shape and form. But could he? Yeah, because Trump and whatever cult, in fact, formed around him was always Trump relative to something else. That's the important thing to always remember. It, it's yeah, yeah, but he fights. Yeah, but he drained the swamp. Yeah, but he's not the system. I, I, that's the really important thing to remember. And whatever we have no based on this montage, God only knows what this world is going to look like two years from now. To, to simply say that the environment of 2015 will be the environment of 2023, I, have we learned nothing? 
about how quickly things change. I mean, as you said, Steve, you can't believe the the give and take that's going on online about whether or not Republicans should support Caitlyn Jenner or not. So, yeah, yes, I think he absolutely could do that and could win convincingly. He could also do that and end up ultimately suffering a fate like Ted Cruz suffered. But I don't I don't think it's insane to think that that's just a death wish. Not at all. I, I could see him beating Trump in a landslide. What do you think, Aaron? I have a quick question. So let, let, let me answer one of the questions. Would he, I'm kind of with Todd, it's it's hard to say. Now, if the Politico attempted hit job this morning, which essentially boiled down to, why don't you listen to Carl Rove more? Um, if that's true, <laughs> part of that is um, he has a brain trust of two, himself and his wife. That's kind of refreshing, isn't it? Is it not? It's um, refreshing that the wife is obviously a positive influence. I will tell you, I've known a lot of politicians yeah. all the way down to state legislature where the wife is not a good influence. And yeah. and that's why a lot of your male politicians go off the reservation. Yeah. They do not want to go out there, fight the war all day long, and then come home and fight it at home as well. It, and what I'm told is that she might even be to the right of him on some of these things. And see, that's... When you when you couple what he's done over the last year with, you know, this report and and what you just said as well, uh, that that's that's pretty encouraging. Um, Now, could he Steve? what just generally speaking, is there a composite of the Trump primary voter from 2016 or is it all over the place? I think it's all over the place because he's been president now. Yeah. Okay. because he has a record. Right. So this isn't just a you you have you have reasons. I mean, the guy expanded the party's base by what, 11 million voters in the last election. He got the most minority non-white voters by a Republican in in what, 60 years. Mm -hmm. So the fact he has a record now and he has presided over things, there isn't a composite Trump voter anymore, I don't believe. Yeah. So I'm trying to. And so that was that was going to inform the answer to this question. Since there is not a composite Trump voter anymore, that that seems to me that there is a splintering and an opportunity for bringing uh, bringing about a new base of people for different for different uh, potential politicians. The problem then becomes Ted Cruz, Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump. Um. Donald, because of Donald Trump's personality, I think he gets away with with being to the left um, of of those other two guys on the issues. Um, and so I, I think that I think that in, would set up a really, really interesting dynamic between Ron a Ron DeSantis, a Ted Cruz, a, a Donald Trump, where it's like, where do these guys go? Do they go far, further right? Do they try to get to the left? I, I think that would I think that would be. Um, either really entertaining or a master, a massive cluster. Josh, what do you think? So I'm a huge fan of Ron DeSantis. I, I'm sure everyone on this panel is. I mean, he's obviously on fire right now. Uh, best governor in the country, hands down. Um, for me personally, um, he's probably one of my top two choices for 2024 right now with Josh Hawley, at least in theory, being the other one. Uh, not that I'm particularly bullish on his chances necessarily at the moment. Um, but do you all remember like when, when when DeSantis was running against uh, Andrew Gillum in the 2018 gubernatorial race? He, 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 he was really, really MAGA. I mean, he had like TV ads where he was like reading the art of the deal to his son to like fall asleep at night. <laughs> it's just, I mean, like, I, I, I'm, I'm literally not exactly. I mean, it, so, 
it's very hard for me to envision him actually running against Trump if Trump were to make it that clear. I, ha- I hate to be cynical about that because I would wholeheartedly and enthusiastically support Ron DeSantis if that were kind of the mano a mano matchup. It's also, I mean, he is, he really is just on fire right now, like nothing that I've really ever seen from a governor, honestly, in my short time following this stuff this closely. But that's a very, very, very difficult string of momentum to maintain. I mean, this is 2021. I mean, this thing's not going to get started for a while now, right? So time will tell. Um, but look, um, I, I I am really, really, really bullish on the guy. I like him a lot. The only other thing I'll add into the equation here is, you know, Biden is spending like nothing we've seen since LBJ and arguably since FDR. I mean, we are getting to the point where these deficits are, are, are going to be 50, 60 percent of GDP on like an annual basis, which is a, as an economic data point is just truly obscene. And the Republican Party lost a lot of credibility, of course, and kind of deficit hawkishness during the Trump years. But the only point I want to make is that if this really does become an issue, let's say like interest rates start to spike, if inflation starts to get out of control, if we start to have like a mini kind of Greek style debt crisis, and you kind of get this kind of old school Tea Party sentiment again, that could be DeSantis's lane because he kind of came to political maturity. He, yeah. he kind of came with political maturity during that era, but he mm-hmm. also kind of takes a lot of the more Trumpy populist stuff. So yep. that could be his lane. That's interesting analysis. That's good stuff. True or false? Exit question. True or false? The odds are at least 80%. Either Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis will be the GOP nominee in 2024. Aaron. True. Todd. Yeah, true. Josh. Uh, I think the establishment's still going to coalesce around Nikki Haley, so I have it a little lower than 80, so I'll say false. The one advantage, I like what you said, basically you're making a sports um, uh, critique here, the idea you could peak too early, right? Okay. Um, the one advantage he, that DeSantis has for that not to occur is he's got a campaign himself next year. Right. So, I mean, he 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 cannot afford to just grandstand and punch himself out in the second round of a 12 round fight because that's not even his fight right now. We're, we're having a presidential conversation about him. He's got to win reelect next year or I mean, he's, his career is over. This is all a moot point. He's the secretary of health and human services or something in the in Trump's president presidential cabinet. Um, so having a campaign next year gives him an advantage to not kind of peter out here uh, and peak too early let's get to issue four what would you actually spend big money on let he who has not been four years old and ordered 918 spongebob square pants shaped popsicles cast the first stone yes noah bryant gave his grad student mother quite the surprise when she found a bill from amazon totaling about 2.6 thousand dollars the four-year-old had accidentally ordered 51 cases of the popsicles which totaled over 918 does that look like the face of a kid who did that accidentally (laughs) (laughs) yeah look that kid looks a little too smart for his age yes all right so what would you accidentally spend twenty six hundred dollars on todd accidentally we mean with air quotes yes right yeah uh i would and that I, I just need to get it out of my system by saying it because it's probably never going to happen in this world. But to, it would be awesome to have like three weeks in a foreign country when either the Olympics or the World Cup were going on and just experience the world coming to those places. Th- that that would be a happy accident for me in the past. Now it just looks like dystopia. And I know it looked like dystopia to you before. What, you're, what, what you would spend big money on sounds like dystopia. Yeah. To me, I, I, I'm frankly, I'm, I'm mildly disgusted, just to be honest. I know. Okay, Josh, what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I actually have a similar answer to Todd, honestly. I mean, because flights are so cheap during COVID, I, I keep an eye on like kayak.com and like the airfare booking websites pretty frequently just for kind of quick getaway trips and that kind of thing. So I, I, I could see myself accidentally spending a couple grand on like a, you know, a, a getaway trip to like Argentina or something like that. I don't know. Aaron, I would accidentally spend uh, $2,600 on somebody to professionally install my home entertainment system because that is <laughs> hard work. <laughs> um, I will tell you this. The, the $2,600 I would spend would be to go nowhere outside of the continental United States. There's I know the that. ugly American. Yeah, yeah, would be there he is. Nowhere, nowhere where there's not either a pizza that could be delivered or the threat of said pizza, pizza delivery driver <laughs> getting robbed would not occur. No. <laughs> um, let's get to our predictions. Todd, go ahead. I hate the possibility of speaking this into existence, but somebody who's become our buddy, but I'm just in comparison to what's going on with him versus what's going on with us. Our book amongst a certain class is just Aaron mentioned yesterday is just being memory hold. We just got to ride this out. We don't want to take it out. We got to make it go away. But people on the left and the right are losing their minds about Alex Berenson. And I think he might be the next big uh, big tech target who's mm. just totally made to go away. Well, he's he's he he is stepping on uh, he's stepping on their shibboleth right yeah. now by looking at the vaccine incident. Yeah, uh, report site. So interesting. All right, Josh, what do you think? So this might be a little too optimistic, and I don't I, I don't get accused of optimism that often. So this might just be like a rare burst of being happy on a Friday or something. But um, <laughs> I, I, I I I'm very kind of in the weeds on a lot of these tech issues. I've kind of taken that on as like an issue that I really kind of put front and center of, of like the issues that I write and speak on and whatnot. I, I'm increasingly optimistic that we actually could see some genuinely bipartisan piece of legislation to rein in the big tech oligarchs. Um, I, I'm not pretending it's going to happen this year. Um, maybe it'll happen this year, but it, it really is reaching a fever pitch of sorts. And there still is fairly limited Venn diagram overlap because the two parties are very host, are hostile to big tech for fundamentally different reasons. But just the sheer level of animus against these private corporations – it's like nothing that I've seen in in, in a long time, frankly. Um, and eventually, I, th I just think that human passion, like what we see on the Senate, you know, on, on the Senate and House mm -hmm. of Representatives on, on on the dais, that's eventually going to turn into some piece of legislation that I could definitely see eventually becoming law. I could too. I could see that, Aaron. Prior to July fourth, one of possibly, but not guaranteed, the final gasps of the Branch Covidian cult in the uh, expert class will uh, concoct a coordinated effort to shut down the entire country. I'm talking Walensky, Fauci, um, uh, Slavit, uh, any of those people in the expert class. There will be a concerted effort to shut down the entire country because of the scary Indian variant. I can see that, too. Um, my prediction is that when Republicans retake both houses of Congress following the midterms next year, which I believe they will, Neither current minority leaders, Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy, will be in their respective, will be leading their respective chambers. Neither one of them will be. You have any thoughts on that, Josh? Um, strikes me as eminently plausible. Uh, I agree on, I, I agree with you more strongly on McCarthy, but I could definitely see it in both ways. Yeah. I think McConnell will retire. I think McCarthy will be ousted. So good to see you as always, Josh. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. Take care. Anytime. We'll come back. It will be a feedback Friday. We'll get into some of your responses. 
to us, and then we'll respond in kind when we return. Stay tuned. And greetings back with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. That's Steve at SteveDace.com. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe Gab and then Parlor when it returns next week. You can also look for clips of the program on youtube.com slash Steve Dace or rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. And if you are a podcast listener, thank you. We're looking for you to hit that subscribe button for us. Leave us a five-star review if you haven't done those things already. And we want to thank all of you that have done those things already. Please keep doing those things if you have yet to do so. Please. Thank you. Uh, I don't know why we need them. I'm just told we do. And I just always do what I'm told around here. Let's get to Feedback Friday, uh, brought to you by Omega XL. If you are, whether it could be the back, the knees, the neck, the shoulders, for me, it's that pesky left hip flexor. Whatever the case is that uh, of chronic pain, stiffness, and achiness you're struggling with, chances are the underlying cause is inflammation, and you want to deal with that inflammation before it causes permanent damage. Those topical rubs, pain relievers you use, They don't deal with the underlying cause of inflammation, but Omega XL does. Backed by 35 years of clinical research, it's what I use uh, to go after my inflammation. Why I would also therefore recommend that you give it a shot as well. And if you want to get started with it today, Omega XL is offering you buy one, get a second bottle for free. That's right. Buy one, get a second bottle for free today. So two for one. When you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. You guys ready for some Feedback Friday? You bet. Let's get going. Let's start with Dylan, who says, I was walking through the mall in Houston with my fiance. We don't wear masks, even when some sweet old lady at Walmart asks us to, we just politely decline. But today at American Eagle, we walked in without masks and the manager came up and told us store policy requires them. We reluctantly put the masks on and that's when uh, providentially gargantuan, gargantuan, godly fart from deep within my bowels made its way out without warning. It was silent and it was deadly. The manager winced and tried not to make a face. When he noticed the smell, and that's when I looked at him and said, you smell that? That smells like proof that masks don't work. <laughs> How good is that? I don't know if that, that story would be even better if it's not true, and you just made it up, that you could be that creative. would almost be more impressive than if it just spontaneously occurred. One, right? of, the, one of the dudes in Daily Defiance yesterday said that... Uh, when he was going through the store without his mask, some double-masked woman started following him around, giving him a look. And so he dusted some crops, and she ran off pretty quick. <laughs> nice. Uh, I've been watching you on demand with my Blaze subscription for around six months. At first, not a fan. You're not alone. 
actually. Uh, we do not make a good first impression. Uh, but <laughs> notice th- that's why it took him six months. <laughs> Costanza. Yes. But but we do we do play well with the crowd that has patience. Unfortunately, that is a shrinking number of Americans. Uh, anyway, uh, he says, at first I was not a fan. Now there's times that your show's the only one I watch uh, all day on TV, maybe sometimes. I live in Pittsburgh. My fiance, Lisa, lives in Gettysburg, and I've turned her on to your show, uh, and she has quickly become smitten with your wit and witticism. To that end, I was trying to tell her the story about how you worked in the Des Moines Register and how you stayed late one night uh, and did the old switcheroo, inserting a different article into the paper, incurring praise from your readers and ire from the editor. How can I find a link to that podcast? I tried to I tried looking for for many minutes to search and to no success. Any chance you could spin me around three times and push me in the right direction? Thank you in advance, if for nothing more uh, than not responding in a scornful matter when I ask for your help doing research to impress a girl. P.S. Her pick is attached. As you'll see, I'm inclined to impress her. So he did include his girlfriend's picture. And she's cute. So that's why to do you a solid, this is the dude code now. We often talk about the dude code from a punitive standpoint, right? Yes. Like the negative rights, that, to use a constitutional term. The negative rights that the dude code commands you to not have, right? The, the things you are not permitted as a dude to, to not dude do, right? We... Because ultimately it is an enforcement mechanism, but we don't want people to believe that the dude code um, cannot be satisfied, that there's not an ancillary benefit in it for following the dude code, right? right? That there's positive rights within the dude code as well. There are things that when you're honoring the dude code, the dude code then honors you back. Fair? The dude code abides. It does. It does abide. So here's a dude reaching out to another dude said, listen, man, I'm dating this chick. Here's her pick. You don't even, you don't even need to look at me. And you're just going to look at her pick and you're going to realize she's already too hot for me. All right. I need to impress her. First of all, self-awareness, dude code. Sure. Check. All right. Outkicked his coverage. Dude code. Checked. Sure. Aware that he outkicked his coverage. Even more impressive. Dude code, check, right? Therefore, I kind of felt that the dude code put it on me now to go the extra mile for this dude. So I'm going to do that. I'm actually just going to tell the story on the air, John. And hopefully your girlfriend that is smitten with my wit and witticism there uh, in the historically significant city of Gettysburg. Hopefully she is listening to this either live or via podcast later because this is your long distance dedication. I'm doing this for you. Okay, you don't quite have the story right. Okay, Um, I had talked my way into a job many moons ago as a news assistant at the Des Moines Register. Now, I was 22, 23. I assumed that that meant, of course, as most guys do before they're fully immersed in the dude code, that the world owed me something. So one of the ways I talked my way into this job is I told them I would like swab the poop deck. I'd like start at the bottom. Because I was emulating something I'd heard from my favorite sports writer as a kid, Mitch Album, that he got started in sports writing by volunteering at his local newspaper. So I thought, hey, you know, I flunked out of college. 
I'd like to tell you I dropped out. I didn't. They threw me out because I went an entire semester without attending a class, which I found out later is apparently frowned down upon. So I'm talking my way in, trying to get my foot in the door, and they end up hiring me. Why, I don't know. And they did start me at the bottom, man. I was making minimum wage at the time, which was like five seventy-five dollars an hour, something in 1995, 1996. And I mean, I was at the bottom. And many, many months went by, and I'm complaining and, and, you know, hey, I can do more than this. So they finally give me an assignment. It was to do a, the state of Iowa borders five other states. We're kind of a landlocked Bolivia here. So they wanted me to do some kind of meta-analysis of the track and field results, between the state track meet results between Iowa and the other five states. How do Iowa's athletes stand up against the other states? And... I told them the only thing worse than track was field and I didn't do the assignment, which by the way, guess where I spent three hours last night uh, in uh, Martinsdale, Iowa at yeah. my son's middle school track meet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. God is funny. <laughs> yes. All right. So there's a little sowing and reaping in action for you right there. Um, but uh, um, the, the deadline for the story comes by. I don't turn it in. Okay. And they were going to fire me a Saturday afternoon. They used to have this legendary sports section at the register called the Big Peach because it was peach colored. It won all kinds of awards for many, many years. And it was my turn among the part time news assistant crew that Saturday to come in early, prepare all the all the big stories and everything for the desk to get ready to put the Big Peach out later that day. That more that afternoon, the editor was actually going to come in early with me and fire me for not doing this assignment. I found this out later on. That morning, though, I never made it in because I got broadsided. I was on my way to make a post partying with my buddies the night before Munchie Run. And since I was the only one not hung over, I got drafted to, to drive to Hardee's and raid their breakfast pantry, basically on behalf of the rest of the fellas. On the road back, I'm not wearing a seatbelt. And a guy driving like a 73 Charger hits my 86 Skyhawk. All right, so good old-fashioned American steel meets uh, American Bondo. Guess which material won? I get rushed to the hospital. I'm concussed, um, you know, um, everything else. But eventually, a few hours later, I got, I got uh, uh, discharged. Didn't have to get admitted. So I survived, which, surpri- which frankly surprised a lot of people. Um, I, I, I get into work like a week later. I come in with a neck brace because I really had to wear one. And God bless those libs at the register, man. They just, those bleeding hearts took one look at the fat kid in the neck brace and they couldn't fire me. All right. So it was only later on that I found that they were going to actually fire me this very day. So I, I, I had an epiphany sitting in that hospital bed. Somehow I went from like most likely to succeed in high school to whatever this loser uh, combination I am at the moment. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going back to the paper. And, and I was a mailroom carrier at Blue Cross Blue Shield. So, I mean, clearly I, I had ambition. All right. I was the lowest man on the totem pole at the Des Moines Register. And I, I slotted mail at Blue Cross Blue Shield, which was just right across the street at the time. So I'm like, I'm going to try to like get a promotion like in, at Blue Cross. And I eventually did. I'm like, I'm going to go in there and actually work hard and, you know, not waste all this t- talent potential. Everybody told me my whole life that I had. So I did. Months went by. And they still haven't given me another writing assignment. Apparently, they frown down on you if they give you one and you don't do it. 
that I guess leaves a bad first impression. Again, no one told me these things ahead of time. I had to learn them the hard way. All right. And so by this time now, I've met my wife on a base on basically um, the America online dial up version of a Tinder. Uh, and we decided, hey, you know, maybe we should talk about getting serious. So I'm like, well, am I going to do I have a future in the newspaper business or am I, is my future going to be maybe one day I can work my way up the claims adjuster at Blue Cross? You know, so I thought, let's find out. So um, I called a guy named Bob Horner who was the boys basketball coach at Mason City High School. His son, Jeff, I believe, used to hold the all-time assist record at the University of Iowa, right? Didn't yeah. that yep. get broken this year? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, he wasn't playing yet, but they had the number one team in the state with another young man who was at point guard, Dean Oliver, who would go on and play for four years in the Big Ten at the University of Iowa. And I noticed we had not done a feature on them yet in the register because they were outside of our immediate footprint in the, in the northern part of the state. So I called up Bob Horner. I just said, hey, I'm a new reporter here at the Register. My name's Steve Dace. I'm doing a feature on you guys as the number one team in the state, you know, and interviewed him and Dean and several of the players on the team. Of course, I did not tell anybody at the newspaper I was doing this and figured no company's ever fired anybody for taking initiative, right? So let's see where we stand. That Saturday night, I'm working on the sports desk. I wait till everybody else leaves. I write my story and then file it on the system to be published like in the next day or two. That's the time where you put stories as they were in the, in the queue waiting to be published. But you only do that if your story has been assigned to you. So I waited till everybody left. Once they did, I wrote my story, I filed it, and then I thought, let's just see what happens. Monday morning rolls around, so that was a Saturday night. Sunday's obviously a day off for a lot of people. Monday morning rolls around, phone rings, and uh, at the department at the Des Moines Register, at the Blue Cross I was working in at the time, and it's the deputy, deputy, deputy editor, you know, cussing me up one side down the other. Get your bleepity bleep over here when you get off work. Um, we have to talk about what the stunt you just pulled, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I'm like looking at the clock the rest of the day. I'm like, this is, you know, this is going to be the end of a very uh, short and undistinguished career. So get done with my shift at Blue Cross, go across the street to the register, walk in. I get dragged into his office and he's just berating me. And it seems like it's forever. It probably lasted like a minute or two. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm going to come up with like some kind of parting shot, one liner, and then walk out of here so that years later when I'm, you know, sitting down at at the bar after uh, working another, you know, strenuous claims adjuster uh, shift at Blue Cross Blue Shield, I can impress my buddies with this story, you know, about how I told off the sports editor at the Des Moines Register once. And I'm, you know, I'm scrambling trying to think of what this line is going to be. And then he looks at me, he says, but your story is really good. So we're going to run it on the front page of the sports section tonight. And that ended up actually a matted copy of that story, which I still have hanging up uh, at my house, ended up being like the first, I think it was the very first gift my wife ever bought me, um, was, was a matted copy and framing of that story. Uh, and that's how I got started in media. And from there, more and more, they let me do more and more uh, coverage, reporting. Um, I even got assigned beats, even for, you know, minor league hockey, college football, things of that nature. And eventually turned that into getting lured away from the by the local sports talk radio station. And then that's how I got into media. So, John. I'm I'm recounting this strictly because. Your girlfriend's hot. 
And frankly, I think we both aren't confident that without my help, John, you're going to hold on to her. So I'm doing John a solid. And I believe now all righteousness in the dude code by me taking that detour has all righteousness in the dude code now been fulfilled on John's part. Amen. It has, but funny thing about the dude code, it would also have been an acceptable answer if C just said, stick it. I just left him hanging? Yes. Yeah, I don't owe you anything. <laughs> exactly. That's the, that's the best part. It's a total double, double-edged sword. It's just you don't know which edge you're at the end of. Exactly right. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's go to Adam Beard. I think we may need to start pushing now to get ahead of what's coming in regards to vaccine boosters. I'm a veterinarian and I work with animal vaccines all the time. Part of the process in labeling meds and vaccines is the trial and testing. Many vaccines aren't labeled for longer than a year because the, t- the cost to do uh, an RCT for longer than that is cost prohibitive. So they look just or so they just look a year out. See the results and label for use with one year boosters, whether or not immunity would last longer from the initial vaccine. They're going to try this with COVID vaccines. I guarantee it. They're going to stop looking for extended immunity after the first year. So they only label it good for that year, thus making it seem you need boosters every year, whether or not you really do. The way labeling works and that this is the way labeling works and that this is how recommendations are made with vaccines needs to be sent out to the public so they can be educated before they fall for the booster trap. Now, I don't know whether or not, Adam, what he's suggesting is true. I do know, though, that these are the kinds of questions we should be permitted to ask. And we're sitting in a situation right now where the primary, the primary vehicle most of us would have to ask these kinds of questions, like our Facebook pages, our Instagram accounts, our Twitter accounts. These big tech companies are openly saying they are modifying their algorithms to promote the vaccines. They're totally in bed with the vaccine companies. That's not to say that the vaccines lack efficacy or effectiveness. We're not having that. Con- That's a separate conversation that we just can look at data over time and come up with the answer to that. There was a fascinating study out of Israel where they looked at the the uh, the immunity for both vaccinated and then natural, naturally immune people because of how aggressive the vaccination program was in Israel uh, over the last few months. And what they found was about 92 percent of those vaccinated were immune at least for the time of the vaccination, were immune, that goes to what Adam's talking about, boosters, were immune from COVID, from COVID infection. 94% of people who had natural immunity were immune from COVID reinfection. And so, again, though, we won't even talk about natural immunity in our country. It's like it doesn't even exist in a lot of our media centers. And the fact that these things are not FDA approved, so you don't have anybody directly in government to go to and say, hey, something bad happened here. I saw Candace Owens tweet out this morning that three of her friends have not had a menstrual cycle since they got the vaccine, the vaccines. Given what's at stake here. This would be a time for more freedom and not less. I've always found the truth is its own reward. I've always found letting the lion out of its cage. I don't know. It's probably been a long time in recent America 
that someone has gotten with a show on a mainstream platform as far as we have gotten with a, when, when, it's, when it's explicitly done with a biblical worldview. I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm not afraid of challenges to the Bible at all. I think it can defend itself just fine. It successfully defended itself against me. So I have no problem. Frankly, I'm more leery a lot of times discussing biblical matters with people who claim to have my same belief system than those who don't. Because then we tend to break down into, well, it's my particular tribe, my particular slant, my particular uh, priority. And if you don't have those things, you know, I was watching something last night exposing on YouTube. It was a video exposing popular false teachers. And I thought it was fascinating. And I was tracking with the logic of, you know, how what they were doing to justify calling this person a, a, a false teacher through the video. We get to the end of the video, though. And they went after a prominent um, um, popular Christian teacher because they didn't agree with his eschatology. That made him a false teacher because he had more of a post-millennial view. Now, he might be right. He might be wrong. But when Jesus says, no, no man knows the day and the hour, that's the line we decide to draw about what is and what is a false teacher. When there's... 50 other things that Christ made abundantly clear from Genesis to Revelation, right? right? I mean, that's now where we're going to draw the line. That now determines. And so a lot of times I feel more comfortable taking questions from skeptics than I do even talking about this in front of other church people. I'm not afraid to throw my trust in the scriptures out there. They can, they, they can handle the scrutiny just fine. We got to have the same faith in our ability to discern what's real and what's not. And yeah, there will be, there'll, there'll be grifters and scam artists that'll sell you copper bracelets to ward off COVID spirits. We can't create a perfect society, folks. We cannot create an equality of outcome. But the history of this country shows erring on the side of freedom is your best bet. We're not doing that right now. These sorts of questions should be open to be discussed and adjudicated constantly. Because of my confidence in the Word of God, I'm fine bringing it with me, even onto a, a broad-based platform like this one. Shouldn't those promoting the vaccines, shouldn't they be just as confident in the same? I mean, let me tell you how I operate. If I was one of these vaccine companies and the guy who was co-authored the number one best-selling book calling out the sham fallacy of Anthony Fauci and broadcast daily on one of the largest media platforms in the United States, the way I operate is, and I do this with an Alex Berenson type or any of those kinds of people, I'd call them up and say, I'll tell you what, I'm so confident in my product Million-dollar marketing campaign on Alex Berenson's Twitter account. Million-dollar marketing campaign on Steve Dace's podcast. You guys take the jab in real time. We'll film you. We'll put you on the... We'll, we'll have you sit by for 15, 20 minutes after. We'll film that. Any instant side effects, any of that. 
we'll do an honest diary in the in the in the in the week in the weeks between the first and second shot. That's how I would operate. I'd be like calling bluffs. You know when I knew John McCain would never be president? You might have heard me say this at the time on WHO. When I was going after him during that Iowa caucus cycle here in Des Moines. And we kept, we offered him how many opportunities to come on this show and refute me. He never did. When a guy who spent five years in the Hanoi Hilton can't go on 1040 WHO in Des Moines and answer questions from a community college grad, that guy ain't winning the presidency. That guy has no shot up against the spirit of the age or, or he's a foot soldier in it, if you know what I'm saying. Right? It's one yeah. or the other. Either he's too weak to do what must be done up against what we're up against, or he's one with what we're up against. It's one or the other. Sure. You're either not up to the job or actually you are the job. Okay. But if I were those companies, I'd be, I'd be calling Alex Berenson up. His wife even works in the healthcare system. I'd be like, dude, million bucks. Million dollar marketing on Alex Berenson, your Twitter account, where you tell the world about your skepticism. Let's roll. We'll put it all on camera. That's what I would be doing. That's what I would be doing. That's our approach to how we handle using the scriptures to inform our opinions and do the show. Instead, my prediction at the end of our exactly. one is what I think they're doing. Exactly. Instead, shun, silence, censor. Hey, the church has done this in its history, too. We always point out the Galileo example, but there are plenty of others, frankly. And there is, there is no sect within Christendom that is immune from making this mistake. History shows, whether it's church or state, secular or sacred, whichever side has to censor the scrutiny of the opposing argument is always on the wrong side. Every time. They're always wrong. Every time. Otherwise, how do you explain Kevin Bacon out debating John Lithgow and Footloose? I've made my point. Um, let's go to Debbie Turcott. A friend told me the school she works at is repeatedly testing elementary school kids. Thousands of tests, one tested positive. That could be just an anecdotal reason why this is going on in other places around the country why we have so many te more tests than citizens. So recall, we spoke earlier this week, the United States has conducted over 400, 400 million COVID-19 tests in a nation of 330 million. There are numerous, numerous countries in this world, most of them, in fact, that have not done 70 million COVID-19 tests even if they have a population of that or greater. That's the difference in how many more tests we've done compared to population, which means we just keep testing people over and over and over again. I'm guessing they did that. Our, they're, they're doing that at our universities, right? I'm guessing we, we know that our, at, our athletic sports teams are doing that, yeah. like our professional sports teams, but yep. they, they represent a small microscopic segment of the population. So, I think, Debbie, you're on to something that a lot of that testing and testing and retesting and retesting is being done at an academic level over and over and over again. 
Michael Hoffman from Warren, Pennsylvania says, do you think there's any possibility that the Biden folks claim the vaccinated still need to still need to mask as they know the vaccine is not an actual vaccine? Again, I think these are questions you should be able to get answers to. Uh, you should be free to ask these questions. Something's wrong that you're not. Think about the fact Naomi Wolf is on Twitter today talking about how Democrats in the state legislature and the Democratic governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, are coming after her after her appearance last night opposing vaccine passports in the state. You know, that whole Reagan, the person who's my 80 percent friend, isn't my 20 percent enemy thing. Right. OK. Naomi Wolf agrees with him on on nine, on everything else. Ninety nine percent of things. She dared to think for herself on this one thing while maintaining her positions on the other 99% of things that she agrees with the Gretchen Whitmers of the world on. Right. She might as well just be named Alex. She might as well change her name to Alex Berenson now, as far as Democrats in Michigan are concerned. I'm just telling you, the people that do that don't ever have the winning argument. Doesn't matter whether it's pastor so-and-so, father so-and-so, legislator so-and-so, governor so-and-so, and whenever in history, whoever is doing that, against their own skeptics, never has the better argument. Period. End of sentence. Whoever's doing that has the weaker argument. We'll come back with some more Feedback Friday here in a moment. We are facing unprecedented threats against our religious liberty and one of the best outfits out there on the front lines against that encroachment with upward of an 80% success rate. Our friends over at Alliance Defending Freedom, I think, in fact, is it next week, Todd? That uh, the apparently only uh, baker open for business in all of Denver, Colorado will be joining us on the show. Is it next week? It is Thursday, yes. It is next Thursday. and, And who represented him and won that case was... Alliance Defending Freedom. They won the Masterpiece uh, Cake Shop uh, case with Jack, the poor baker there that they keep targeting and picking on. So uh, if if you're looking for a cause to donate to preserve your religious liberty, you can do a lot worse than ADF. Uh, check them out at adflegal.org slash Steve if you want to make a donation because they offer all of this pro bono to their clients, which means they need funding adflegal.org slash Steve if you want to help in the fight to preserve religious freedom at adflegal.org slash Steve. And then if you could help me, because I have spoken with some of the people at ADF urging, encouraging them to take their record of success on cases involving religious freedom, but then apply it as well to our freedom to breathe, to our freedom to leave our homes, to our freedom to peaceably assemble, to our freedom to attend events, to our freedoms to not have employers violate medical privacy laws, to our freedoms to not have private businesses. You know, we, we, they were great in defending Masterpiece Cake Shop against being forced to compel using his intellectual property uh, to communicate a message he didn't like, right? And they were right to do so. Mm-hmm. But could, could Jack then, therefore, compel his... Uh, use his business to compel other people to think and believe and say what he wants them to? Could he do that? Because that's what a lot of businesses are arguing of things like vaccination, right? Just you asking can't, questions. You, yeah, you can't come in here unless you're vaccinated. I don't know, can a business make me smoke marijuana? 
Can it, what can a business make me slap my kids around in order to come in? I mean, what, 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 what can a business force me to do? And we need as, we need as many people and as many soldiers on the front line of that fight as we can possibly get. And I mean, I just looking at their track record, I don't know. There aren't too many better outfits out there that could be uh, a better uh, friend to us in this fight. So many people are sending me emails right now. How do I get legal representation for this? How do I get legal representation for that? So absolutely help ADF continue to win landmark cases uh, for religious liberty at ADFlegal.org slash Steve. You can donate there, but also go to ADFlegal.org and ask them, hey, we could use you in this fight as well. We could use you to enlist in this fight with us because we need as many high quality people as we can get. And you're one of the best outfits out there. So we need you here. That's where the fire is raging the hottest right now. Can I breathe? Does my kid have to wear a bacterial reingestment cloth diaper to go to school? Can, my, can the company I work for violate my medical privacy? We need some legal representation there as well. So ADFlegal.org slash Steve. Again, that's ADFlegal.org slash Steve. Let's get back to some feedback Friday. Let's go with Emma Griffith next. I'm a soon-to-be college graduate in Ohio under the COVID sonnets of DeWine. And a church near our campus hosts a college ministry associated with our university. I've been participating in this college ministry for the past three years. There there is an absolutely wonderful, incredible church. They're dedicated to the word of God, not afraid to speak out on hard issues. Back towards February, when vaccines were beginning to roll out and people were starting to push back against COVID restrictions, we had a message on how we should respond to the government in a godly way. The gist of our speaker's message bent on the sovereignty of God and how he has placed our leaders in these positions. Therefore, we should obey them since God put them there. Additionally, Christians are supposed to be model citizens. So again, we should obey government. The whole notion of give to Caesar what is Caesar's and keeping the perspective that current government is mortal. He also rightly pointed out the only proper time to rebel against government is when it goes against God, i.e. when the apostles were regularly jailed for preaching the gospel, released, and then continued preaching and were still being jailed. I found myself agreeing with him in this general sense of obeying government as he had many scriptures to support this. As more and more people are beginning to fight against COVID restrictions, though, I find myself thinking more and more about this message in regard to the COVIDian cult. I'll be honest, this message encouraged me to give in to the reprehensible rules of masking, etc., but it's beginning to reach a breaking point where I'm desperate to breathe, see people's faces, and connect with others freely again. Emma, the problem with the mis-message by your speaker is that they gave you, they started from a flawed premise, therefore the hermeneutic is flawed. In this government, all right, so let's, very basic. After the Revolutionary War was won, the first, the charter document launching the United States of America was the United States Constitution, correct? After the war, you said? Whenever I ask these, you look like I'm trying to trick you every single time. I want to make sure I'm not supposed to say the Constitution, because you often do this with people with the Declaration (laughs) versus the Constitution. I'm trying to help. I know Todd's always good. He's going to screw me. This is the one time. He hasn't done it in five years, but I know this is the one time he's pulling my pants down. You have that look on your face every time. I'm going to start doing this to Aaron. I'm going to make him feel like that now. And you're going to be relieved at that. Aaron, Hmm. after the Revolutionary War is won... I'm trying not to be a smart aleck right now. All right, just the answer is yes. All right. The answer is yes. 
The document known as the U.S. Constitution, it begins with, with, which, with which words? What are the first words of the Constitution? Uh, we the people. We the people. Why are they the first words of the Constitution? Who is chartering this document? The people. Who's forming this government? The people. Who is determining who gets to serve in the government? The people. Who's determining what the laws of the nation will be? Who's determining what the laws of the nation will not be? The people. Who's determining what the process for which laws will be made will be? The people. Who's determining what the process for which laws will not be made will be? Should we go on? Therefore, who is the authority in this country? The people. The people. Your speaker, Emma, was giving a conversation as if he was talking to a group of Anabaptists confused about whether to rebel against the government in the 17th century of a, of a monarchy post-Reformation. Your speaker needs to update and his calendar a few centuries. He's not living in a monarchy, although by giving sermons like this, he's increasing the odds you'll be living in an oligarchy. You're living in a Republican form of government. The power rests within the people. This isn't about whether or not you submit to your leaders, Emma, and everyone else within the sound of my voice. It is about whether they submit to you. Why are you armed? Why do you get to be automatically armed, but a cop has to go through training, but a military member has to be approved and go through training? You get to be automatically armed. Does the Constitution guarantee that every soldier gets a gun? Does it? No. Does the Constitution guarantee that every cop gets a billy club and a gun? Does it? No. Whom does the Constitution guarantee gets to be armed? You. You. Because they're supposed to be afraid of you. They submit to you. You consent to them. In any relationship, where does the power reside? With the consentor or the consentee? The consentor. So wives, you've actually had the power all this time, all right? So, Emma and everyone else, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Render under God that which is God's. Your rights come from God. Therefore, what right does Caesar have to impose on them? Todd, do you know the answer to that one? It's really simple. None. 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 Has no right no right to impose on on God-given rights. Caesar has no rights. Governments don't have rights. People do. We, the people, rule. We are the rulers. They submit to us. Paul was a free citizen. Did he ever vote for Nero? Nope. So who was the authority, the governmental authority in Rome? A free citizen like Paul or Nero? Nero. That's why Nero got to cut his head off. You have a gun. So that if some government official, well, you can have, you can have a gun. So that if some government official here ever thought, I'm the new Nero, you get to shoot back. Or first, if need be. That's the point of all of this. 
You're not subjects. You're citizens. Your speaker's terrible. Not worthy of being an American. Not worthy of the privilege of God planting him in a country like this. He's calling you to be a ward of the state. You're not that. This was a country founded to stop that historical paradigm. Or as Cleon Skousen called it, to make a 5,000 year leap in human government. The idea that if we obey God, we can govern ourselves. If we live by the laws of nature and nature's God, we don't need a king. We have one, King Jesus. We don't need a human king. So they submit to us. They're not kings. They're not tyrants. They're not rulers. We rule. Your speaker has it wrong. Many of our churches have it wrong. They have no business celebrating the 4th of July. They've bastardized it. They've betrayed it. They've urinated all over it. We rule. Now, it may not look like that right now. Right? may not look like that. There were times in in Israelite history, it didn't look like God's law was the law of the land, right? Did it cease being the law, though? Nope. Maybe it didn't look like it for a while. Started looking like it when they got thrown into captivities and judgments. It looked like it then, didn't it? Zoe is bugging me daily for a car now. And man, she's adorable, so it's really wearing down my defenses. (laughs) All right. Should the day come I finally buy her a vehicle, if I hand her the keys and tell her, the car is yours, but she never ever goes out into the driveway, puts the keys in the ignition, and drives away in the car. Did I give it to her? Did I give it to her? Yeah. Yeah. But did she claim it as hers? Is it, is it really hers? It would seem that. No. But is it hers? Did I, who, I? Who's the authority in this relationship? The father or the teenage daughter? Although sometimes uh, it seems like it's backwards. You, the giver. Yeah. But it's the giver, right? If you do not receive the gift, you were still given the gift, right? But you have to receive it in order for it to go into effect. We still live in a government by the consent of the governed. Nothing has changed from the Declaration of Independence. You have all of this tyranny because you consent to it. And one of the reasons you consent to it is because you're getting horse bleep sermons like the one Emma just described. From, this, from COVID Stan, Ohio. We're in charge here. In America, we do not wait for Elrond to come and hand Aragorn the sword and say, become the king you were meant to be. We all pull the sword from the stone. What right do we have? You're a damned American. That's the right you have. And your God, the only living God in this universe, gave you that right. He could have put you in any other country, anywhere else in this world, where you would be subservient to the state. 
By his grace and mercy, he placed you here. Do not be an ingrate. Do not be a bastard son or daughter of the only living God. Accept your birthright. Claim your freedom. Or it will be taken from you. That is all. You know, trying to sell your home in any economic environment in terms of awkward, weird segues. But I couldn't think of something else to say, and I had to say this, so let's get her done. Trying to sell your home in any economic environment can be challenging, particularly, though, in these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. We got it in. That's why you want to make sure you've got a real estate agent who will come in, take charge of the situation, but then remember, ultimately, who is in charge. So this is a pretty good segue to the last conversation. You're in charge particularly if you act like it. But where are we going to find an agent that knows what they're doing? That's where the website kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com, where we have real estate agents at the ready all over this country. And a lot of them are right from this very audience, just like a lot of you. So, you know, they come to the table with the same values you do. And they're ready, able to serve with a fully and vetted track record of success. If you are looking... For an agent to take advantage of this market, you're going to find them or her at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Any final thoughts from either of the two of you? In that uh, letter that prompted that response, the, the, the notion, and I see this all the time, it's really mystifying to me, is about the, being a model citizen it is very much wrapped up in people's biblical sense of duty uh obey 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 towards your government isn't a biblical concept obey 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 to your god obviously is and obeying your god is obviously being the person who says we the people are not that um yeah get bent that's wrong uh i so i'm glad steve went out of his way to take you down the trip he just took you on because this is as fundamental a self-own as American Christian citizens perpetuate on themselves on a mm-hmm. regular basis. Who is, this is, no, this is a trick question. In some respects, who is Romans 13 talking about when it talks about government? Is it talking about the kings, the people that we elect in our context? Or is it talking about us? I know that's a whole Another uh, can of worms that I don't have, uh, but uh, 10 seconds to wrap uh, wrap up. The point is, the onus is on us, because we're the leaders in this here society and this here country. The onus, the blame is on us. Have and a great weekend. Well. John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.